Minnesota Sports Collaboration Podcast Show, where we highlight all of our Minnesota content creators, shows, and friends here on the program. Poppy, how's it going? It's going great, man. Excited to come together with all of our friends. You've heard them on our show, or if you're listening on their show, maybe you've heard us jump in with them. But uh, every week, we're going to have little teasers and snippets from everybody's shows in one spot on all of our feeds so you can get a little taste. And hey, if you haven't listened to one, go check them out. Throw everyone a quick little subscribe and let's make everyone happy. Now, Isha, what's the first one we have here for this week? We're going to throw to Locked on Wild. Our boy Seth Topol drops daily Minnesota Wild content with a wide range of guests. Here's a quick clip of some of his recent content. Tyson Jost enters the fray for this Minnesota Wild team, and he found himself in a very similar situation to the one that Nico Sturm just left. Now, in the case of Jost, you look at the Colorado Avalanche's roster. Obviously, they have two of the uh, best lines in hockey as their top six, and so playing time beyond that is a little bit hard to come by. And so Jost comes in. His average time of ice is uh, 12 minutes and 49 seconds coming into the season. And so obviously that at this point sets him up to do something similar to what he was doing with the Avalanche. But if we look at um, if we look at how things have gone for him, over uh, his last few stints. The month of March, averaging right around 9 minutes, 48 seconds of ice time. Um, And beyond that, he was right around 12 or 13 minutes. Started the season off way more than that, uh, with uh, right around 17 minutes of ice time in October, 15 minutes in November, and then it just started to kind of go downhill from there. And this is a perfect opportunity, despite the numbers being a little down, to take a chance on a guy who is still 24 years old and has been in the league for five seasons already. And uh, yes, he has been a a double-digit goal scorer uh, throughout his career. You look at... His uh, face-off numbers, they're not particularly good. I mean, he's a 39% face-off winner this season, which is not great. But from what is being reported about this trade, somebody in the scouting department sees something that can be unlocked in Jost to where this was the preferred outcome instead of just letting Nico Sturm walk in free agency. Now, some of the things that he will be able to help out with, uh, first and foremost, is the penalty kill. And I know Sturm was a penalty killer uh, with the Wild as well. So maybe it's 
it's more of a lateral move right now. Um, and and maybe Sturm was, you know, Sturm was better certainly in the faceoff circle uh, than Jost appears to be. But at the end of the day, this is a move by Bill Guerin that is hinging entirely on a bounce back performance from Jost in a different situation than he was at with the Avalanche. I have no problem with giving the guy the opportunity here the rest of the year to see what he can contribute because I think it's pretty evident right now that the Wild have started to kind of realize, are we a good team? Yes. Are we a Stanley Cup contender? No. There is quite a gap between the Wild and the Avalanche, Calgary Flames, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins, the Florida Panthers, on and on and on. There are several teams that are more in the Stanley Cup contender category than the Minnesota Wild are. And so, not only will this team be looking to see who is going to be part of this roster next year, uh, they may not be done in that sense before the uh, the trade deadline. So, I have no problem putting Jost on the you know fourth line. I think is the logical spot for him right now. Uh, but let's look at the facts too that beyond Jewel Erickson Eck and maybe Freddie Goudreau, the center position on this team is far from set, even going into next season. So if Jost were to come in and start to win faceoffs and have a similar effect on this team that Freddie Goudreau has, he could play himself into one of those center spots for next season. Because if we've seen one thing with this wild team so far this year is that, yes, Ryan Hartman has put up career-high numbers. He also has started to kind of come back down to earth. And so is he a center going forward? Is he more of a wing like he had been playing uh, before being put into the center position? That's a question that's going to need to be answered. And so let's say you pull Hartman out of that center rotation. Now you got Jules Erickson Eck and Freddie Goudreau. Marco Rossi will take one of those spots next year, but you're still going to need another center uh, to uh, be in the middle of one of those lines. So Jost, you know, it's it. Will he end up being a player that can give you meaningful minutes and can do more than Nico Sturm was doing over the last few weeks? That's the hope. If he doesn't end up doing that, it's it's not a huge cost. The big thing that you are uh, gambling with is salary cap space. But he's only on the books through next year as well. And so it's not a huge roll of the dice for Bill Guerin. He is gambling on upside for a guy who was a first-round pick a few years ago, back in 2016. So he's gambling on a bounce back in a different situation 
a team that can look at his skill set with a fresh set of eyes. Again, if you like what you heard, you can follow all of Seth's great content by searching Locked On Wild wherever you get your podcasts or checking him out on social at Locked On Wild. Uh, next, we have <laughs> yours truly, the Soda Pod. Uh, we'll tease our other contributors later, but Hoppy and I talk everything Minnesota Wild beer and hockey. Here's a teaser from our most recent episode. Today, like an hour ago as we record, Josh Manson to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Isha, did, why did they do this? I don't know. That was a weird one. Now, TSN and I, I don't look at Sportsnet much, but even Sportsnet.com, they had him five and four respectively at the top of their trade bait list. And I was even surprised to, to see that. Like, is, is, is this really like the the cream of the crop up there like is is there really not a lot of you know really talented players that are set to be moved and i and i think that's that that's the answer there's not a lot of high you know valued defensemen really good defensemen out there right now and i guess he's i guess the team sees something we don't talk because i am i look i don't want to shit on josh manson but he's not like (laughs) he's nothing special in my opinion i never would have thought that there'd be this much interest in him um, you know, especially from a team like that. Uh, that that last caveat is why I agree with you. I'm not shocked that there's interest. I do think that he's a good defenseman if the, the right opportunity is out there and the right fit in a blue line. I just don't see why the Colorado Avalanche saw this as a need that they had to fill. Um, well, but, any of the yeah. contenders, quote unquote, right now, I, I don't see them needing a player like Josh Manson's services. Now, and that that that's why, like, is it really like a quote unquote deadline deal? Sure. It might happen because trades happen on the deadline and it is the deadline. So if, if, if the team does, if Anaheim doesn't want to wait till the summer and they didn't hear, then sure deal him. But it's not one of those. That's like really, you're given a contender reinforcements, you know, fine player. Sure. But again, to the Avs, to a, to a, to a Vegas, if that uh, it's not going to happen, but you know what I mean? Or a top team yeah. like that. It just seems odd because most of the top teams right now have their, their defense barring like a, a really good deal to bring in someone who's going to like, you know, put you over the line, which we've seen, which we've seen in years past as well. I don't see. Yeah. I don't see why an Avs would want to acquire his services. Maybe just for, I don't know, extra, Extra reinforcements on the back end. Was it was it last year that they faced some injuries on the on the back end and they were thin there? I I don't know. Um, but that's my only that's my only reasoning. Kind of spitballing on the fly. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, it's it's a team that's already really good. I just thought if they were going to spend the assets to go out and get something that that wasn't necessarily where they'd go. I I saw them trading something similar for you know like a Sharat maybe, but. Anyway, that's that's who I thought was going to be the first one to go, because usually you see the one that's like league wide and even that the media is, you know, pampering up that's projected is going to be or projecting to be the one that's going to be traded. There's always that like top one, top defenseman on all the lists, top, you know, forward or whatever position. And I was, yeah, I was surprised to see Manson move before Chirac because usually you see the bigger name. Now, again, the defense is it's a little dry this yeah. year, but you see the bigger name get moved first and then the dominoes drop because the other teams are like, oh, shoot, we lost out on the big name. Got to got to go after, you know, lesser, 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 lesser. And then there's Jim Benning, Vancouver Canucks, who goes after all the rest. And well, and you know. I wonder how much the Arizona Coyotes are going to fuck everything up this year, because now we've got two to four weeks. Jacob Chikrin's out. 
So are teams going to like hold and try and figure out if it makes sense to bring him in? Is he now a summer deal? Like that's a good point. It's going to be an interesting like domino fall. Like when does that start? I still think he, I still think he could be a deadline deal because I think teams who have already, who already have interest have probably been in on him for a while. And like trade talks have been probably ongoing, you know what I mean? Or like in spurts, Hey, any update here, you know, but Th- GMs that's, that's... are going to fight that Isha. They're going to say, Oh, I, I shouldn't have to pay quite as much. Cause who knows what he's going to be like when he comes back. And they're going to be like, sure. fuck all of you. We'll wait till this summer. Well, yes. And then maybe someone says, okay, never mind. Uh, you know, maybe, like, maybe fair. It's a, it's a big poker game, right? Yep. Now, one of the biggest moves that uh, wasn't a trade at all, uh, Joe Pavelski signs a one-year extension with the Dallas Stars, pretty much solidifying that he's not getting traded and they are very much in it now to make the playoffs, which means you can probably say goodbye to trading Klingberg, uh, even more so in the wake of the Haskinen injury. So Dallas Stars very much in it, not going to be the big sellers that some thought they could potentially be. And that leads us, you know, that's really all that's happened thus far in the trade landscape. Isha, where are the wild at today on the eve following uh, dismantling for uh, honoring Miko Koivu? It was just not a good game, period. No, but I saw him and some of the alumni, Carter, Rupps, you know, uh, Backstrom, they all, uh, well, you know, West Walls, our friend here on the Soda Pod, uh, they, all, they all went at went after it after so i think that i know they're not the ones playing but they all were you know part of the broadcast part of the wild in some some way shape or form right and they i think they all quickly forgot that you know about the the on ice game there uh, after the ceremony but where the wild are at now it's a great question and obviously we want to hear from all of our listeners and supporters as well be it on social media um get in on the conversation with us because this is this is an interesting one we have a whole week uh, bar, you know, some other domino moves to to talk about this and discuss it. But I think that the Wild are in a unique spot right now in that, like, they shouldn't feel pressured to go for it. If you didn't hate what you just listened to, you can find all of our content at The Soda Pod on social, that being Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, or by searching The Soda Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Who's up next? Minnesota Sports Chat. Those new to Ross or Minnesota Sports Chat, you get anything from a unique spin on Minnesota sports to the wrecks of a frozen pizza connoisseur. So I have a theory here, and I'm fully willing to admit that this is a stupid theory, but just just follow me here. Sure. The Gopher Hockey team will host Michigan for the uh, Big Ten Tournament Championship this upcoming Saturday. And uh, Bob has now won nine in a row after the last time I talked to you. I think I said this program's in no better shape today than when Don Lucia left. And now they're in the mix to be the number one overall seed. So you're welcome, Pride on Ice Faithful, for spurring that on. But here's my theory, Judd. I think the Gophers need to lose to Michigan. What are the odds a team is going to win 14 games in a row to win the national championship? I'd rather lose to Michigan than to lose... Any of the four games that it might take to win the national championship. Is that a dumb take? I just genuinely believe they're not going to win 14 in a row. And the only wow. the only chance no. the only wow. the only chance to lose a game, Judd, that's not going to cost you your season is against Michigan this upcoming Saturday. I, do you I, I if I told you the gopher hockey team 
would win 14 games in a row to win the national championship. Would you believe that? Or am I, in essence, killing a story by saying I want them to lose? So I think a lot of fans would balk and and say that, that you're full of crap and crazy. I would agree. Like, yes, I, I in sports and especially hockey, I know exactly what you're saying. And plus a loss in th- this game, which which you know, wouldn't come close to costing them a place in the tournament would probably be a good sort of slap in some ways. Yeah. I So I totally get, so I think it's good reset. On, I think pride on ice would say your nuts bleep off. I totally get it. And I do think in sports. And again, I'll say it, especially hockey. It doesn't hurt sometimes to get that sort of just push of, Oh, we're not as good as, as we thought, but let me close by saying this: wherever you are, good night, Jack Lafontaine, man, because <laughs> you did. You let's cut to the chase. Let's cut through the BS. Division one sports are basically professional sports. Jack Lafontaine did the Minnesota Golden Gophers the biggest favor possible because I can guarantee you this team would not have gotten this hot and played this well if Jack Lafontaine hadn't abandoned them. No, he and brought, I feel he bad brought them together. He brought he them did. together. Yeah, I he feel bad he for wasn't Jack, playing too. That, and he wasn't playing that great. He wasn't bad. But I'm going to tell you right now, I, I had people that watch this team a lot more than me say, he's not really playing that well. Jack LaFontaine, this is one of the, and it sounds mean, but I don't care. This is one of the biggest like pushes to be, to do what you said to galvanize a good good team. How many Roscoe? How many dead ass games did this team play? Oh, like really just dead. Way too and it's many. Like, and and it was like what is? I mean, they played some just stinkers. And you watched them, and you're like, this team is far too good to play a stinker. And Jack left them, and what happened? It took him a few games, and after that, bang, it all started to click. So, Jack LaFontaine, you are a hero. Well, I'm looking forward to hopefully a nice run. I would love to see this team back at the Frozen Four. Coach Bob Motzko's had issues in the NCAA tournament. We're all aware of that. But last year, they did at least make it to the the round of eight. Time will tell if my theory is true or if it's stupid, Judd. I'm just going to enjoy it for however long it lasts. I just think there's something to be said for, as you said, Judd, getting a bit of that wake-up call and also pressure mounts. I guess from when they finish on Saturday to when they would play again, it's really only five or six days, but you're going to hear about hottest team in the country, won 10 games in a row. Roscoe, you are talking to the guy who years ago said the worst thing in the National Hockey League to win, the President's Trophy. We we had the most points. Bleep you. You're overconfident. (laughs) You're set up for a fall. I always said this. I I never want to be the team that gets done and says, we had the most points. You can find this beauty on social at Brendel Ross. That's B-R-E-N-D-E-L Ross. And his podcast by searching Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Who's up? Judd's Buds. Mutant, Spitter, Sicko, Z. We don't care what you call him. To us, Spokes Z just means elite prospect coverage. Here's a preview of the brilliant ramblings you can hear on Judd's Buds. You know, I like the kid. I'm a believer. 
Uh, we'll see if there's NHL upside in his future. It's definitely not next year, the year after, or even the year after that. He's got to put some more years in an Iowa in the AHL um, and try to work his way up. Um, but, you know, there's a reason they took him where they did the draft. So uh, hopefully people aren't getting on him too hard. Hopefully he's not getting on himself too hard uh, because there are a lot of nights where he does make a lot of good saves and then, you know, defense optional and they decide to not cover anyone in the slot or just give up odd man breakaways constantly. And my dog's here to ruin the show again. He just opened the door, walked out, standing. He's waiting for the invitation. I'm not going to give it to him. He might be back. I don't know. You have five seconds. Oh, my God. He came in right at five. Come on up. You're on the show. Yeah. Let him. Good. Going. Boy. Yep. Torn ACL, ruptured ACL, warrior. 13 years old, old bag. What's up, dude? Sit down. Take a load off, guy. It's your house. Hey, oh my God. He's leaving. Really? Maybe he's not leaving. Take a spot. This is unbelievable. This is one of his worst ones. Of course. He'll be back in a minute. Where were we? He's going to come back in any second. Um, anyways, so, I mean, that's Iowa. It really is just who they are in a nutshell. Um, you know, some nights they look great. They look exhausted. That's the other thing. They do look – it's such a weird schedule. Um, it's not like the NHL where you're just getting intermittent games throughout the week. It's uh, – this season for Iowa, it's been a lot of three nights, four nights off, and then they got games in three out of four nights. Um, you know, we talked about it last week that they had one stretch where they had five games in seven days. Um, you know, and that's where, you know, having a lot of guys going in and out of the lineup helps and hurts probably. Um, so it's really hard to get into any kind of groove when you got different lines going every night. But um, I think they're under 500 now at this point. Uh, they'll be a playoff team. Um, but, I'll, you know, and I'm curious to see what that lineup does look like uh, come game one of the playoffs. Because, uh, again, another guy that I've really liked is Nolan Stevens. I think he's been excellent since he's returned from injury, too. He looks faster. There he is. Jesus Christ. He heard someone eating. I mean, he can't keep doing this. This is crazy. He'll be back in five seconds again. There's just no way. He can't not do it. <sighs> Maybe if I just stop talking about Iowa. Here he comes. I can hear him. I'm kind of getting angry. Not really. I'm just going to start talking and I'm not going to close the door 
until we're done talking about Iowa, even if he pops in. Um, anyways, but I've liked Nolan Stevens. I'm curious to see what the lineup looks like game one of the playoffs. Um, you know, and I wonder if it's like, you know, a lot of NHL teams, they might not have like a set line, but they have two guys on a line that work really well together. Um, and I'm curious to see if they kind of find that. I think they found that in Rossi and Chafee. I kind of think they have something going with Beckman and Stevens. Uh, Giroux's had a look in that top six. And I think he's looked okay. Jesus Christ, he's back again. Um, so we'll see what the, we'll see what that lineup looks like. But I think right now it's just the defense is killing them. Um, the inability to move the puck up the ice is killing them. Um, you know, so it's kind of a similar story to the, to Minnesota. So, um, that's Iowa. They got to fix it. He's back and he's on the couch again. So I will close the door and let's just move on to the roundup after I close the door. Fuck me. I'll be honest. You're kind of being selfish here. It's fine. Cause it's your house, but you're, you're kind of being, you're kind of being a douche. But I do respect it. Your house, your rules. Basically, your podcast. Let's pay. Let's just pay the bills while we're here. Let's talk about DraftKings. The beautiful DraftKings. Just what a sponsor. So let's talk about it. The NHL season been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. My God. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, number one, figure it out. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Do it right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $100. Fifty dollars in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Twenty-one plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, last week I just read the entire disclaimer or whatever uh, what I was supposed to just put in the notes. Number one wasn't my fault. Isha told me to do it, and then I started reading every fucking state's rules on gambling. And I was going to stop, but then I just thought it was hilarious and I kept going. But I'm not going to do that this time, or I didn't this time, um, because that was psychotic. But also, I'll be honest, it was very funny, in my humble opinion. Dudes fucking rock. If you want more, you can find him every Tuesday. And sometimes, uh, we, we don't really know with him. He's kind of a wild card. Maybe even Thursdays on the soda pod feed. So same podcast feed as before, but if you want to follow him specifically, and for some reason you haven't already, you can check him out on Twitter at spoked Z. Who do we got? MNCAA hosted by Nick Maxson. You get your weekly dose of Minnesota college puck. Here's a look at what you can expect for all six division one programs. So let's talk about that botched call because uh, there's, you know, the video obviously circulating, uh, our own social media with uh, Enrico Blasey just giving it to the referees. And, you know, <clears throat> when you cover the sport or any professional or, you know, even developmental league at this level, Ryan, 
-hmm. you often see coaches who, you know, there's, there's warranted outbursts and then there's not warranted outbursts. And, you know, for St. Thomas, there's no question. I saw the play. Uh, and I think everybody, an honest fan, would say that this was a warranted heated moment by uh, Rico Blasi there against the referee crew. Oh yeah, no, no question. I mean, I I saw the play happen directly in front of me. I mean, it wasn't. I was at a side angle, but I, you know, I wasn't. It wasn't like directly coming towards me, but I was at a side angle, right where I was, looking right at the blue line, and I was like, "There's a penalty here." I'm not exactly what type it was because it was a side angle but i said there's definitely a penalty here and it's on mankato but but no call is made and they score peter gets beat five hole and uh and it was if you look at it it i even got someone sent me a photo of the actual still shot of the first part of it and you can see the guy literally sticking his arm out at the blue line, completely blocking him <laughs> from getting oh across to play defense. And then they get tangled up, and it's looks like there's a blatant high stick as he's trying to get around the guy, too. So you got that, and then it was it was so bad. And then you know <laughs> the focus wasn't necessarily on the non-call at that point, it was more so on how Rico reacted on the bench, and it what I was most impressed in is that he was able to keep the beat with the Ole Ole song by beating the stick on the <laughs> <laughs> Like they're chanting behind it. And I'm like, is he actually coordinating it? Where, you know, it's going Sometimes along. You become with the song. a director, Ryan. I yeah, mean, that seriously. Was, that was and, truly impressive because um, my wife was like, hey, he's actually keeping pace with it here. I mean, that was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the clip. He's banging his stick, points it at the ref, shucks the stick behind him, and really gives him an earful. And then after the game, a lot of people didn't see that part, but it, he had this calmness, like an angry boss who's trying to keep his composure at the end of the game. But you can see it just billowing underneath him. He's waiting for the crew to get done. He wants to talk to the linesman or one of the refs. And you can see them off, and they don't want to come near him. Because <laughs> they knew he's waiting for them, and they're they're huddled together, and they're like, uh, "I don't know if we really want to go talk to him." And uh, so finally, one of them comes over, and Rico is at that point not in anger, like throwing stuff level, but very much in a "I need an explanation" kind of a thing. And he made the linesman—I think it was a linesman—made the mistake of touching Rico when he's mad which is yeah. not a good thing to do, especially when anybody's really no. mad is to touch or put your hand on them. Cause that'll make it worse. And you could see Rico just knock his hand off when he tried to touch. It was, that was a side of Rico Blasi that I have not yet seen this year. So that was, uh, but it, you know, it was warranted. It was a terrible non-call. His team was playing well. It completely changed the course of the game and you could, it, it was bad, and uh, it, it's unfortunate because that's what sticks out in not the fact that St. Thomas played so well throughout the game. And I picked them to win in my picks during the week, and people thought I was crazy. I believe Dan Myers told me to, quote, put down the hookah pipe or whatever. He that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, but 
I, I was five minutes away potentially from being right about it. So it was like, and you could make the argument too, that had that call been made that you mm -hmm. probably would have been right. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, it goes to show that, well, just, I guess St. Thomas, you just can't have nice things. Yeah. And uh, no. yeah, I was thinking to myself, God must really hate St. Thomas for being a religious <laughs> school. <laughs> Considering Something. how close they've, they could I mean, they could have had six, seven wins this year, but it's always something happens in overtime or a non-call or just a bad break. And but yeah, that was it was an unfortunate way to end the year because they could have really, even if they would have lost the series like in three games, they could have just said, "Hey, we took down the number one team, number one in the pairwise. Look what we've accomplished," and they could really build on that. And uh, it was unfortunate that that happened, but. You know, and and it's and it's one of those things, Ryan, where you do lose, um, you know, in that game on on the scoreboard, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I would imagine that the message in the locker room was, "You guys actually won that game, right? Mm -hmm. You had a lot to be proud of." Um, the, again, I don't think anybody really, truly, besides a few folks who followed St. Thomas, that thought that this was going to be close. Now. Mm -hmm. As we talked, we we figured Mankato would somehow win this series, whether it was in two games or whether it was in three. Mm -hmm. If I somehow I shocked the hockey world and just asked St. Cloud fans, like we said last week, they know a thing or two about getting shocked. Um, mm -hmm. Hashtag AIC, hashtag Air Force. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, right, uh, not definitely, you know, a kind of a high note to end the season. You know, I say kind of because, you know, again, you, you still lose the hockey game, but you, you, you took – uh, number one team in the country to the brim. And, and again, without, you know, was it referee interference is what we're going to call this. So <laughs> yeah. they, they probably could have won that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's, you know, there's no moral victories in college hockey and it, at, at this level reason, but this is, I feel like is one of the rare occasions where you could say, look what we did. Yeah. We didn't lose. We have, yeah, we lost the game, but I mean, Nobody, very, very, very few of people thought that we would win this game, let alone be even competitive in it. And we took the number one team within five minutes. We almost could have pushed it to overtime. Had that call not yeah. been made, it probably would have gone to overtime, in my opinion. Uh, so it just, that's something you can really put your hat on and say, yeah, we lost, but look. Look what we can build on next year. We showed that we can keep up with good teams. We almost beat Tech twice. We beat Lake yeah. State. We almost beat Bemidji the week before, yeah. lost in overtime. You know, we almost beat the number one team. That's something they could really go into next year and say, we took a massive step. The first game we played, we lost 12 to 2 <laughs> to St. Cloud. Our next to last game, a playoff game, we took the number one team, lost by one to the number one team in the nation, and they scored that goal with five minutes left. So it, it's a big step that they've taken from the start of the year. Agreed. And, uh, you know, again, the the story of St. Thomas and their run, you know, to the Division One ranking continues, I think, uh, just only because, uh, again, you know, Again, to me, they were my favorite team to follow uh, just to see how much they grew. And, you know, the feather in the cap for Rico, I mean, it really, to me, almost cements how good of a job Rico has done um, this year. And if there were any doubts 
from anybody in college hockey. They, they should be silenced just about now. Um, but Ryan, let's transition a little bit just because with St. Thomas, the season done, um, I know you're still doing work for the CCHA, the team that you caught up with this week, heading into the semifinal match with Northern Michigan. You had a chance to speak uh, with Grant Patoni uh, a little bit, who leads that squad. Can you tell us uh, uh, the conversation and maybe some thoughts going into this weekend? Well, it's I talked to Grant. Uh, for people who don't know, I covered NMU for seven years up in Marquette before I came down here and kind of focused on St. Thomas. But he, they're an interesting team this year. People remember last year that NMU beat Mankato in the semis in Mankato and threw everybody for a loop like wow mankato just lost at home to a team that they probably should have you know cleaned house with i mean they're just but it was a shocker and now they're in the same situation again nmu has battled injuries this year they're starting goalies out with rico Damadio. their captain's out joe nardi's out colby ends is a defenseman he's out i mean they're They've just they're hit hard. So but, things are looking up, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, but the thing is, is they're powering through it. You know, they went up to they went to Sault Ste. Marie last weekend to two out of three from Lake State. You could make the case that they should have won it in two, but they just everything's coming together at the right time for NMU. That's what happened last year. Two out of three in Bowling Green beat Mankato, lost in the WCHA championship. Now it looks like it's going to potentially happen again. Took two out of three from Lake State playing Mankato. Um, it they're it's a fascinating look for them because it's deja vu for them in 2022. They were in this exact same situation last year, turned their season around in the playoffs, and they're they're so sh- defense is not their strength this year. Um, I'm writing a preview about it so people can see that tomorrow so <laughs> they can see the full details. But defense is not their strength. They were 53rd in the nation. Their penalty kill was atrocious. Uh, yeah, been, not good. Yeah, not good. I don't know if people know the fact, but they were 58th out of 59th, and the only team below them on the penalty kill was a team I previously mentioned on the podcast a few minutes ago. Uh, so they're not good there, but they're strong offensively, 7th in the nation on offense, 15th pretty good on the power play too. They need to be good at both ends if they're going to beat Mankato. And Patoni had a great he said i think the game will be determined in the first 10 minutes of the first period he goes because if we can get through that maybe catch them off guard get a goal under the net or just at least keep them at bay in the first 10 because mankato likes to score quickly and they like to you know set the pace early if you can keep them at bay or even get one on the board that'll show hey we can do this we can keep pace with them and you know they could end up coming with a win and i don't think Anybody is just thinking, oh, Mankato's just going to roll <laughs> past NMU. Right. Like, NMU beat them in January up in Marquette. They've shown they can beat them in Mankato. So it's it's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to keeping track of it. Um, I, I was telling my wife, and we made the joke that, hey, you know, you left town after seven years, and NMU could make the NCAA tournament after you leave. So you could say – it was on you. <laughs> that's, why they, that's why they didn't make it in the seven years. You leave, and then they make it in. So that was a little far-fetched, but it was a fun little joke we talked about. So The the Stieg jinx, right? Uh, yeah. Ryan, so now it's prediction time. Again, This uh, obviously on paper, this uh, matchup does heavily favor Mankato. 
we did also say the same thing last week and nearly got burned again. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, what what do we think? This is a a uh, is this uh, is this uh, really going to be the tail of the tape, or uh, does uh, NMU stand a chance against Mankato? You know, I'm uh, I'm not going to go quite as bold as I did with my St. Thomas <laughs> winning Friday night <laughs> <laughs> prediction I made on my site. I think NMU is going to win Saturday night. I mean, it's not as bold of a pick just because I know that they've shown they can do it. They've shown they can beat Mankato. They're in the same situation that they were last year, playing them in the semis in Mankato. They know what's coming. They're peaking at the right time. And I feel like everything is kind of flowing Northern's way at this point. Mankato blew out St. Thomas in the second game, as people expected. They looked shaky to me Friday night at times, like almost in the first period, you know, my wife said, are they even paying attention right now? Like, did they, you know, cause it just, it just, they just looked a little off. Like the passing wasn't as dynamic as it typically is. The Dryden McKay looked like he was, I don't know, off in his own little world <laughs> for a couple of minutes, you know, so Dan Myers will love that comparison. Let me tell you that. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, put down the hookah pipe. I'm sure they'll tell me to do yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, I think NMU is going to come out on top. I think it's going to be a tight one, probably a 4-3 game or, a, you know, something like that, or a 3-2 going to come down to the wire. But like Grant said, I think if they can get through the first 10 minutes, maybe get one on the scoreboard, you know, keep Mankato scoreless, I, I think that they can carry the day, and I think that's what's going to happen. I, you, I'm picking against Mankato for the second straight week. I didn't think I'd actually be doing that, but <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like. I think many people will be on Dan Myers' train that says, "Put down the hookah pipe." What the heck are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. uh, but with that being said, Ryan, you did hear to hear it here first, as Mankato is supposed to fall this weekend to Northern Michigan. Uh, Ryan, again, as always, thank you very much. We'll be checking back in with you next week on uh, some more CCHA finals action, and of course, a recap of the semifinals. But we need to head just a bit or west to Minneapolis and check with Drew Cove on the Minnesota Golden Gopher. Just like Judd's Buds, you can find all MNCAA episodes on the Soda Pod feed with episodes dropping every Friday. Go follow the dedicated college hockey feed on Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. MNCAA was taken by some douchebag with zero followers that won't reply to Isha with our very lucrative USD cash offer. Um, now, Isha, who's the last show that we want to promote here this week? Brave the Wild. Joey has been in the Minnesota Wild podcast game since 2008. Here's a clip from the Chiseled Betcher. I've seen worse games, obviously, but I've certainly seen better as well. <laughs> Run into him is kind of all over the place. Connor DeWeer actually ended up getting scratched versus the New York Rangers because, I don't know, I mean, DeWeer, you'll see some moments here and there, but he doesn't, he doesn't finish really in like five points in 23 games. It's one of those kind of things. He's kind of like his counterpart, uh, Mr. Giroux, Damian Giroux, not Claude, Damian Giroux. It's easy to get those mixed up when I'm looking at a Philadelphia lineup. Um, basically, Damian Giroux's level of production in the AHL, which is kind of depressing, to say the least. Nice to see Kalen Addison continuing to get action more and more now. Of course, still no Dumba at the moment. And whew, don't get me started on Dumba versus Dallas. Ooh-wee. Uh, but Kalen Addison, again, getting some action here. Continuing to develop now with Minnesota. It's one thing about letting players cook, you know, letting players develop, so to speak, as they say, in Iowa, like Marco Rossi. But I think Addison's a little closer. 
I think he's a little closer. Obviously, he's drafted earlier than Ra- Rossi. Drafted, you know, in a, he's a little bit older than Rossi. And again, Rossi missing the entire season last year. Uh, anybody, anybody uh, yelling at you for for daring to say Rossi should stay in the AHL this year? I think they're being a little crazy. Like, settle down a little bit. You know, if, if you're going to bash somebody for saying Rossi should stay in the AHL, I, I don't think that's a stupid take at all. Come on, you know. I mean, seriously, Boldy stayed. And Boldy didn't miss an entire season. Uh, and Boldy stayed last year and even started this year there, a bit partially because of the injury. But, yeah, now look at Boldy. So, and look at the two stars in uh, New York. They just said, oh, yep, welcome to New York. But they didn't play one second in the AHL. Yeah, welcome to New York. Good luck to you. And they haven't done Jack. Um, speaking of Jack, like Jack Hughes, it took him forever in New Jersey. He's just finally starting to break through a little bit. It doesn't really help. It doesn't really help. It's just great to see them in that nice, fancy uniform with their number. And, my God, here they are. This is the most exciting thing ever. And, yay, they got like 10 points in 50 games. Wahoo. <laughs> you know, that's not a good thing. Uh, something funny about Philadelphia. I mean, it's just like one familiar name after another. We mentioned the two coaches, Yo and John Torchetti. It's just amazing how hockey... Guys kind of forgive and forget, or they, they just stay friends. They were never enemies, which is cool. Obviously, Fletcher ended up firing Mike Yo, but still like had a beer with them, and they were kind of having you know a teary conversation with each other. John Torchetti, of all people, replaces Mike Yo, and then look at that—they're all together again on one of the worst teams in the league, and a lineup with Jerry Mayhew on it. <laughs> Jerry Mayhew, yep, which is kind of funny. Good for him. Good to see him in the NHL, but he's not that spectacular. Nick Steeler is a name that's being mentioned with trade possibilities to Minnesota, much less my Dumbo offer. I suppose, again, you're looking for size and cheap. Well, Nick Steeler's size and cheap, definitely, and it's nice to see him back in the National Hockey League after missing a whole year last year, not with injury, but just not playing. Um, so nice to see Nick Steeler in the NHL. Wouldn't be a bad idea to come back to Minnesota to help in the back end, and I still stand by that. Obviously, Susie, I got a hard no from uh, Derek Falsco. We'll get to that into the fan interaction segment. Understand, Understandably, because he's making almost $3 million a year, so it's just one of those things. It's I, I, I was afraid I was going to be met with that type of response because, yes, he is expensive, and that's why some people were like, they're okay with letting him go because of that. It's, it's a little on the expensive side, so... Steeler obviously is very, very, very on the, very much on the cheap end. He's not as good as Susie. It's ironic though because Steeler actually was ahead of Susie for a little while there in Minnesota. Uh, Susie was barely try, barely cracking the lineup, and Steeler was like, you know, like he was on the second pairing for a minute or two. It looked pretty darn good actually, and then things got weird because Mr. Paul Fenton got weird. <laughs> Let's just say Fenton got weird bringing in a guy. Was it Anthony Batato, I believe? A very forgettable player, but a very uh, rem- uh, very cool name to remember, I suppose. Batero, Tony Batero, came in, and that bleeped everything up because Batero basically was an AHL-level player, and due to the cap situation, we couldn't send him down to the AHL. Great, great move there, uh, Paul. So then that put Sealer in the press box and messed everything up because Sealer was actually playing okay at the time. Uh, okay, there I go babbling on and on, but of course, again... I would hope fairly fairly interesting conversation, I suppose. It wasn't a very interesting game, necessarily. It was just nice that we ended up winning at the, the highlight of the night. Not only that Frederick Goudreau continues to actually score goals all of a sudden with his eighth, but that Ryan Hartman got his 20th and 21st. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? 
uh, uh, both cases tying the game up after falling behind with in Philadelphia. Mm. Mm. one nothing and three to two and two to one. It was kind of like Game Seven versus the Colorado Avalanche in 2014. Yeah, and then it was four to three Philadelphia, and then four to four. Matt Boldy tying it up with about eight minutes left. And then Brodeen scoring just moments later. Who had a very, very, very powerful release. Only his fourth goal of the season. It felt like he should have more. It's crazy how both Brodeen and Dumba only have four goals this season. Dumba, Mr. Mr. like 20-goal powerful dumb bomb shot. Four goals. Hmm. Fiala? Dumba? Are you sure? Are you sure now? <laughs> I may put the poll out again. I may actually create a poll. Last time, the first time I created, uh, it was just a question and answer type of thing, which actually ended up being really fun and really cool. Uh, ended up being a really fun show and fan interaction segment, throwing that in there. Wouldn't mind uh, creating a poll for that one. I, I, mm, yeah, well, both of them both of them create messed up turnovers, but it's just funny. This was literally like the 2014 Game 7 Colorado Avalanche game. But this is Philadelphia and stuff. Yeah, this is Philadelphia. Maybe the worst team in the league. And you're falling behind like four times in the game. Four times. Four. <laughs> this game is fucking horrible! Get your questions in every week by following at Brave the Wild. And listen by searching Brave the Wild Minnesota Wild Podcast. All right, thanks to everybody tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I mean, wherever you get your podcasts from, the best thing you can do for us or any of the content that you heard in this podcast episode, uh, you can go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, give us and give them five stars and a kind review. It goes such a long way. You're already supporting us by listening to this episode, so you might as well go and review us as well. If you're jonesing for more hockey content, go listen through our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And on your app, please download the episode before you listen, as it just helps all of our business. You can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy. And of course, you can find the Soda Pod on all platforms at the Soda Pod. Signing off, I'm Isha Drill, me alongside the State of Hoppy. This has been the Soda Pod, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, buddy? We good. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.